Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Most men walk the earth with this lone wolf right. mentality, right? We view the lone wolf as strong, right? It, the lone wolf is strong. He can handle everything on his own. I think if most men really understood what happens to the lone wolf, because his fate isn't pretty, the lone wolf dies. The pack is strong because of the wolf, and the wolf is strong because of the pack. Hmm. Most men are living this quiet life of desperation and isolation where we're surrounded physically by other men. But mentally and emotionally and through conversation and learning, we don't have those iron sharp and iron relationships. We have like these more rusty relationships. So the Alliance, you know, it's a community we've had since 2016. And what it is, is it's a community of men who are honorable, who are hungry, humble, and ungodly imperfect. We want to create an extraordinary marriage and we want the skills to do that. Communication, connection, intimacy, the whole nine yards. We want to optimize our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. You can't do that all by yourself. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's John, Bam Bam the dog. Uh, first, on behalf of both of us and everybody from the Real Ones team, I just want to sincerely thank you guys for, for, for tuning in. The folks that I bring on the show, they're family to me, and uh, being able to tell their stories and bringing you into their world is something I'm, I'm just super proud of and, uh, again, grateful that you guys tune in. We've decided we want to take things just a step further. It's a Patreon community, and basically what that means is if you become part of this community, look, I already bored Bam Bam. If you want to become part of this community, you're going to be able to hear episodes early and all that, ad-free and all that good stuff. But there's all this behind-the-scenes footage, all this stuff that we've shot um, that really brings you into the folks that we've had on the show, really brings you into their world. Live chats with me and the folks that I bring on the show to talk about their world, talk about the issues that they're dealing with, about their triumphs and their tragedies. Just go to Patreon slash Real Ones on this website that you see right there, right on the screen, that's right in front of you. This whole idea was um, something about building bridges and, 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 and bringing people together and um, bringing folks that often don't get the mic and, and giving the mic to them. So the fact that you guys tune in means the world. Anyways, again, thank you. Uh, be good to each other out there. Rock and roll. One of the things that I truly believe connects us all is parenthood. Like, I don't care who you are. If you're a parent, you love your kid. Now you might be a quote unquote, good father, bad father, shitty mom, good mom, whatever the, wh however you want to criteria, which I, I try to lean away from those things. Um, but I don't care, you know, Democrat, Republican, uh, gay, straight, uh, in, incarcerated cop, doctor, lawyer, whatever you are. Um, you got a kid. Um, 
it, 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 it's a bond and a, a love that that's inexplainable to anybody who hasn't felt it. Yeah. It's the strongest feeling I think you could feel. And it's um, potential, I think, for such a unifying thing, because I do believe we all love our kids. Just to start, I guess, can you just sort of explain to the folks that haven't heard, you know, what the, the, the Dad's Edge podcast is, what the Alliance is, and just sort of about your work. And if you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what the, the intention is there and, and sort of the history of it and, and the why. Absolutely. So crazy that literally this morning I was coming upstairs from the gym in the, in the hotel and I got a message from a guy who wants to join, you know, our, our alliance, our mastermind. And he said, Hey, I just have a couple questions. You know, um, are you guys right wing? Are you left wing? He's like, I'm Jewish. I know you're Christian. You know, are you guys really into like, do I have to be a certain religion and that kind of thing? And then he went on and on about his eight year old son and mm. how he feels a little disconnected. And I just, the reason I was smiling when you were talking about that is because I was like, I just literally just got this message today and I replied to this guy and I said, I got to be honest, man, I have no clue what side our guys in the Alliance stand on. I don't know who's a Democrat. I don't know who's That's a Republican. Right. I don't know who's conservative. I don't know. I was like, and I don't know a lot of the, the faith base that these men follow. I was like, but here's what I can tell you. I was like, none of those are a prerequisite. The one thing that actually is the common denominator for our guys is that we are all fathers mm -hmm. and we're all husbands. Well, a lot of us are. And the one thing that unites us is the drive and the hunger to show up and to learn and to support each other. That's what actually unites us. It's not, I'm, I'm this and you're that, or I believe in this and you believe in that. Sure. It's those are the common denominators, but yeah. So I just want to comment on that, but as far as, it. as far, <laughs> as far as the dad edge and how it came to be. So it was about 10 years ago. I'll never forget it. It was a, it was a Sunday morning and I woke up early and I opened up the window and sun was shining and the sun just hit my face and just had this beautiful epiphany that I knew everything there was to know about being a father and a husband. And I just, I just had to share it with the world. That's a total BS lie. I was going to say, dude, <laughs> who is this guy? I was like, this ain't the guy I've been listening to. I'm like, where's that humble dude? I'm like, what? This guy? I'm like, what'd you do, bro? I mean, I've only been listening to you. I've seen pictures, right. but I was like, I, the beard's new. I'm like, who do you, I'm like, is that really Ethan? I'm like, we just dragged these dudes in from Venice Beach. A uh, couple of players. No, yeah. I appreciate that. Well, yeah. no, so it's funny Ethan's here, and I'll, 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 I'll answer the beard story later because, yeah. and if you're only if you're cool with that, I'll share this story. It's okay. So the, the beard story is really, really quick. I'm, mm. I'm 47 years old. I've never had a beard my whole life. That's because I, I didn't even know if I could grow one. right. Huh. And so November comes around and Ethan comes up to me. He's like, Hey dad, it's no shave November. You're you gonna, you're gonna grow a beard. And I was like, Ethan, I've never grown. I don't even know if I can grow a beard. Yeah. And he's like, you should do it. He's like, you know what? You should also not cut your hair until new year's. I was like, that's like 10, that's like two months away. It's yeah, yeah. like, you know, eight, eight weeks. He's like, yeah, he's like, we're gonna put a bet on this. And I was like, okay. I was like, I love bets. I was yeah. like, what's what's the bet, Ethan? Yeah. And he's like, if you cave and you shave, you have to eat whatever McDonald's I put in front of you. And I don't <laughs> eat McDonald's. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna win this bet. Yeah. I was like, what happens when I win? And yeah. he goes, well, you know, what, what do you want? And I was like, you know that girl in your class that you always talk about? I was like, the, you haven't talked to her just yet? I was like, on January 1st, after I win this bet, you're asking her out. And he's like, okay. And so I won the bet and he did it. And, and you know, <laughs> did you, dude, dude. Hey, listen, man, at least, I know. Yeah. At, at least, you know, and great that you did that, man. Yeah. Great that you did that. 
Great yeah. that you did that, man. That's what, that's, that's awesome. what we talked about. I was yeah. like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it, it, what matters is that you did it. Absolutely. And the cool thing was, is he was a man of his word and held up his end of the bargain. He Heck could yeah. have easily been like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Heck yeah. But you know how dad edge got started. I, I'll share 10, 10 years ago, this, this happened. Um, and this is hard for me to talk about the dad edge got started from a really dark place. It got started because I, I, I have a new book coming out later this year. It's called the pursuit of legendary fatherhood. And on the back of the book, my, the publishing company asked me to, you know, Hey, put a paragraph of what this book's going to be about. And the first sentence is 10 years ago, I became the monster. I swore to protect my kids against at all costs. And the publisher said, you can't put this on the back of the book. I was like, well, I, I would like to do that. I was like, because I think that makes us all relatable. Every dad goes through a dark time. So my story, pretty unique, pretty, pretty crazy. Um, I was born in 1975. My mom and biological fair, my mom and biological father were married in 71. Right after I was born, my dad and mom got divorced and he left. Now here's the crazy thing. I literally remember being four years old because from the time I was a baby to the time I was four, it was just me and my mom. But I remember being four years old and I remember being in preschool and I remember guys coming to pick up their sons or kids from preschool. And I knew what a dad was and I knew I didn't have one, but I didn't make any difference to me. I was four and I was like, I, I just knew moms went out and found dads. Hmm. That's literally what I thought. Hmm. So I'll never forget very first time my mom brings a guy home to have dinner with us. I was four and my mom tells me that day, she's like, hey, I have a really special friend who's coming over for dinner tonight, and I want you to meet him. Now, in my four-year-old mind, I was like, oh, my God, she did it. Like, she found him. Like, she found the dad. And I'll never wow. forget the first time this guy stepped into our house, and he was wearing a trench coat. He had a three-piece suit on, the double Windsor tie, feathered hair, mustache, briefcase. He was a data software engineer. And this guy meets me, I'll never forget shaking his hand for the first time. And the first words out of my mouth with this big smile was, are you going to be my dad? And I'll never forget like this guy, the look on this guy's face and my mom, I think kind of like gasped. Right. And it was about a year later, they, they did get married. Now here's the funny part. I was in the wedding. My mom actually got me a blue tuxedo, like dumb and dumber. Like (laughs) I kid you not. I was the ring bearer, but they did get married. And for the next six years, he was my dad. He adopted me. And he was cool when he was sober. But when he drank and my mom drank, man, it got dark. Mm-hmm. There, you know, cops were called to my house, you know, um, a lot. My dad would beat on me, hit me, punch me, throw me down, hit my mom. I'll never forget being six years old, waking up to hearing my mom scream in her bedroom. I ran in there. My, my dad was holding her down by her wrist and I went in there and was trying to pull him off and he would like grab me and drag me down the hall, throw me over my bed, slam the door. And I screamed, I literally like put my hands over my ears and screamed at the top of my lungs because I couldn't take hearing them fight. Cops were called to my house. Fast forward until I was 10, every year just got progressively worse. Yeah. Like just the drinking and the abuse and Then when I was 10, they got divorced and he was gone and I haven't seen him since. I'll never forget being 10 and knowing that they were, he was gone. There was a part of me that felt horrible, but I was also very relieved at the same time. And I really started asking questions at that point. I was like, Hey, where did I, where did I come from? And that's when I found out I did not know. My mom was like, I was actually married before and you have a, you have a dad out there. And I was like, 
I'm like, where is he? What does he look like? Like, why don't I see him? And I, she showed me the wedding album and I was like, oh my God, I have a dad out there. And two years later, I was 12 and it was by accident. I'm happy to go into the detail if you want, but it's a long story, but just for the sake of time, I had the opportunity to meet my father and I totally met him by accident. My real dad, I will never forget the day that I actually met my father. You remember, you remember Miami Vice? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, I used to rock the, I used to rock the jacket. Okay. Like third grade, dude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. the whole thing. yeah. Bag of, bag of powdered sugar and everything that I did. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Well, my mom for Easter one year, man, she got me this Miami Vice, like white jacket and like this teal shirt. And I yeah. showed up to meet my dad cause it was an arranged thing. And I was wearing that, like our sleeves were up and I just wanted to look my best. And I'll never forget meeting my dad and he hugged me and I miss you. Like I've been thinking about you for so long and, and just hugged me. And he was remarried at the time, had a two year old son, another one on the way. And man, I was so excited. Immediately started calling him dad. I saw him every week and he came to my little league games and we hung out a lot. And I noticed right around month five, like we hung out for five good months, things just started to change. And so it just, so like, I just noticed he felt overwhelmed and stressed and quiet and distant. The best way I can describe it and the way I describe it now is imagine a woman that you've, <laughs> you've dated in the past and she's just not into you anymore, but she hasn't told you yet, but you know, it's coming. Yeah, yeah. That's what it felt like. And I'll never forget when I was 12, I, I picked up the phone one day and I was like, Hey, I was like, you know what, what's going on? Like, I, I just feel like something's not right. And I don't even know what words were said, John. I really don't. I, I just remember how it ended up. And it ended up with, you know, hey, I can't really do this right now. Or it, it was that theme. I don't know mm -hmm. if it was those, those were the words. And dude, that, I hung up that phone and that was it. And I will tell you, man, I fell into a very dark place as a kid, very lost. Uh, I failed the eighth grade, um, just kind of gave up on school. I overate. I got really fat had to do eighth grade twice. My mom's relationships and marriages, she was a, she was married a total of three times. It just became this revolving door of years of just toxic men that she either dated, lived with us, married, same kind of guy, partier, toxic, abuser. And I'll fast forward till I was an adult and, and really getting to your question of dad edge. So I went on to college, met my wife, wonderful woman, was in medical device sales, 30 years old. My wife's pregnant with Ethan over here and I was in a Starbucks in St. Louis and I was in there for a weekly meeting uh, with my team and this guy walks in and I, he caught my eye and I was like, oh my God, Shut that's up. my dad. Like my biological yeah. father who I hadn't seen since I was 12. And I was like, and I just remember that one of the, one of the women on my team who my wife and her husband, we were all friends. So we kind of knew each other outside of work and she knew my story. And she's like, Hey, hello. Are you still here? Like, I'm like, I was like, sorry. I was like, you're not going to believe this. I was like, but my, my father just walked in here and she's like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, my, my dad's in here. And she's like, where? And literally from me to chase, that's where he was. And she's like, where you is knew instantly? And he, yeah. and he knew instantly. No, no, he did not see me. I saw him. And, right. uh, and so she's like, Oh my God, like, what are you, what are you going to say to him? And I was like, uh, nothing. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to say anything to him. I was like, what am I going to say to him? I was like, it's been 30 years, 18 years since I saw him last. And last time I saw him, that was it. And without one word, 
she just walked over to him and I was like, what is she doing? She just took it upon herself to go have the conversation. And she sat down with him and I was like, what is about to freaking happen right now? And I'll never forget sitting there and I was like, do I get out of here? Do I go to the bathroom? Do I run? Like, I'll never forget his eyes met mine because she pointed me out to him. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to happen. And he came walking over just very humbly. I make him sound like a bum. He's not. He's a very successful entrepreneur. He's been married for 40, 45 years now. Came over, shook my hand. He's like, you know, hey, yeah, you know, how are you? And I was like, I'm fine. How are you? Like, I wasn't nice, but I wasn't totally cold, but I was just sort of indifferent. Uh-huh. Well, that meeting um, turned into what has now been almost 18 years of a relationship that I've had with him. And I wouldn't say it's necessarily dad and son, but it's friends. Uh, he's still married to the same woman. I have two younger half brothers that I'm very close to. Um, and it's been quite a journey, but here's how dad edge got started. Ethan was six. So I'm fast forwarding now, six years, his younger brother's four. And John, I was your typical lost father. You know, I, I wanted so badly, man, because of how I grew up to be a, <clears throat> a good dad, a good husband. And I, I made an oath to myself. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this right. Cause I know what it feels like to have it done wrong. And I was your typical impatient guy. You know, I, w- I, w- I didn't beat my kids. I didn't yell at anybody. I didn't throw beer bottles at anybody, but my, my marriage with Jessica was mediocre at best. You know, we were distant relationship with my kids was not the best. I was quick tempered and I just, I kind of had this attitude of like, if I do fatherhood from kind of out here and not too close, I can't screw it up too bad. Hmm. And I was my, conscious. No, I don't think so. Right. Looking back on it, I think that's what it was, but I didn't know it at the time. Well, here's what happened. I had a really bad day at work one time and not that that's an excuse. It's not mm-hmm. my son who is four years old. I lost my biggest customer that day. I was a medical device sales. Like I said, it was going to impact our income for the next 18 months. We were moving, kind of getting ready to move. And my four-year-old son stepped out of line. And I, one thing I always swore to myself is I'm never going to strike my children in anger. And he stepped out of line as any four-year-old would. And I spanked him. And I spanked him hard enough where he lost his footing and he fell. And I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? And I went to pick him up and I'll never forget the look on my son's face. He literally like shuddered. And I was like, Oh my God, like what the hell have I just done? And I go to pick him up. He's crying. And my wife, who is the most respectful, most appreciative, never puts me down, always builds me up. And so when she says something to me that's constructive, man, do I listen? And my wife looked at me and she goes, really? Larry, he's four. He's four. I'm like, why? And I'll never forget that night. She told me, she was like, you have it in you to be a good father. You have it in you to be a good husband. You're not doing it. And I went into my office that night. And what do you do as an adult when you have a bad moment? You get on social media to distract yourself and see everybody else's great life. And that night I was on Facebook, man. I have tears coming down my eyes. And I see a button in the left-hand corner that says create a page. And I never created a page. And I hit that button. Thing comes up. What do you want to name your page? And literally, the Good Dad Project just rolled off my heart and onto that keyboard. And that was the beginning. And I started looking at my life as being a father and a husband differently. And I started looking at things that I was pretty decent at. At the time, I was pretty decent at martial arts. I was very good at my job. And I started asking myself, well, why? 
Well, it's because let's take martial arts. I go to class. I've been doing it for 10 years. I go to class every week. I have a coach. I have a mentor I have a community. I have a practice. I'm constantly learning. Same thing with my job. I'm good at sales because I'm constantly learning anything I've ever, anything we, we ever do good. You know, you're an actor. You don't just be like, Hey, I think I'm going to go be a Hollywood actor and I'll wing, this. I'll wing yeah. it. Yeah. You, you had to learn. And I was like, what have I done for being a husband and father? Like nothing, nothing at all. So I started asking myself, do the same rules apply? And turns out that they do. And from 2012 till now, it's been a journey and it's been a journey of learning. I still don't have all the answers. I will never even come close to having all the answers. 2013 started the blog, 2015 start, started the podcast, 2016 we started Data Edge Alliance Mastermind. And it has been the most incredible journey of learning skills within marriage, parenting, leadership, health, all of these things hasn't been pretty, you know, it's been speed bumps, but the answer, I know that was long winded, but that's no, the man. answer. <laughs> but, but like, look, it, it, it not being pretty. I mean, I, I mean, I have so much, uh, I I've sworn off of the damn notebooks cause I love, I like the conversation just be the conversation, but I have so many specific questions to ask you the only way to grow, the only way to get better, the only way, uh, uh, to, to, to satisfy or, or, or momentarily satisfy this never ending calling to always try to be better is, is, is to fail, to fall flat on your face, admit it, take accountability of it, redirect, restructure, rework. And so it, it doesn't surprise me that, that, that the, the, the genesis of this comes from this sort of like for you, this, this kind of epic failure. What I love about your show also is that you, you approach it with real humility. This, it's oh, not yeah. a preachy show from <laughs> no. you, man. Some of your guests sometimes yeah. feel like they got all the answers. And, and sometimes I'm like, that I find that really interesting and I want to talk to you about that. But you, you're constantly talking about times that you feel like you've let these guys down. And sure. uh, I, whether it's yours or whether it's some other father, can you talk about other failures that, 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 that have totally. had an enormous impact on your growth or somebody else's growth or somebody else's failure that made you grow? Totally. Um, you know, so when it comes to like my own podcast, right. And I, by the way, I can't wait to have you on. What I'll tell you is a, a lot of my guests, um, they have certain strengths, right. I've had amazing people like Chris Voss, who is the chief hostage negotiator for the FBI. Right. And like, so he's a communication expert, you know, but obviously weaknesses in other areas, but there's, there's always a beautiful strength in every single guest and there's sure. always humility. And, and, um, but with my story, what I can tell you is that, I, I fall flat on my face probably every day, you know, I mean, with, with these boys, with these young men, you know, one of the things here, I'll sh how old's your oldest, by the way? My oldest is 11. So 11. I got a seven year old okay. girl. Then I have a, a, a 10 year old boy and an 11 year old boy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So when my 15 year old, who's Ethan's younger brother, this is, this is a perfect example of, you know, your 15 year old acting older than you, right? Suddenly you get this glimpse. So I, I go downstairs. This was probably just a few months ago. And the lesson here that I'll share is by being humble and having what, you know, Jocko Willink, you know, it calls extreme ownership, right? Um, by, by those things, you can actually teach your kids by, by being the example of it, even when it feels like we shouldn't. Like, I apologize probably, and Ethan will tell you, I apologize more to my kids, more than I was growing up. Like, I'm the mom, you're the kid, shut up, that's, that's sure. the rules, right? Sure. Um, but like, so a few months back, 
I go downstairs. My 15 year old kind of has this habit of always leaving like his popcorn bowls and his dishes and his trash and his shoes. And just like, it's ever, it's like my house, four boys, dude, it's like a fraternity party. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people ask me like, what's it like raising four boys? I was like, imagine a fraternity house where everyone's pretty drunk. Nobody wants to sleep and you never leave. I was yeah. like, that's my house. Yeah, 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 I yeah. literally found a half eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the bathroom, like a, a few months back. And I'm like, how does this even get here? Yeah. So I go downstairs there's trash and I know who it was, my 15 year old. And I'm always telling him, well, I just completely like lost my cool on him. Like not, I didn't go crazy, but I was like, Mason, I was like, get out of here. Comes out. He's like, yeah. I was like, dude, how many times do I need to tell you? Like stuff is here. This is that, this is that pick up your trash. How many times do I have to say it over and over, man? Like, yeah. when's it going to get through your head? Yeah. And he's just like taking it, taking it. He's just like, and I'm just like, and he's like, you really don't have to yell at me. And I was like, mm. <laughs> and then the ego, right? Yeah. You just want to protect the ego. And I'm yeah. just like, well, if you picked up your stuff, I wouldn't I have yell to yell. Like, right. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but you really don't have to yell at me. He's like, if you ask me to clean it up, I was like, he's like, dad, listen, I, I, I promise I'll do it. He's like, sometimes I forget. And here's what I'll tell you. The lesson that I learned there, just, yeah. I'm going to digress for a second. I always filter that when I see stuff like that, I filter it through the lens of how disrespectful, how lazy, like you're just expecting somebody else to clean this For up. Sure. And that's not where he's coming, where he's actually coming from is he's a 15 year old and it's not on his radar. Right. Right. So I'm yelling at him and he's taking it and he's like, you don't have to yell at me. I was, and then I just stormed off. Right. And I literally went upstairs and as I'm going upstairs, cause I can watch all these things unfold because I've learned them through guests and mentors and all this. I'm like, I know exactly what just happened. <laughs> I was like, freaking kid just went from 15 to 50 older than me. Yeah. Like in the way, and I just basically showed him the wrong way to operate. Yeah. So I go right back downstairs and I'm like, I'm sorry. I was like, I should not have, you know what? I was like, you're a young man. I was like, you operate as a young man. I was like, I don't need to yell at you anymore. I was like, I, don't, I shouldn't have to yell at you at all. I was like, and that's on me. I was like, you're right. I'm not going to yell at you anymore. And I was like, I will, if I see something, I'm going to ask you to do it once. Okay. And then if, 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 if it's not done, yeah. then we'll have to talk more. I was like, but that's my obligation to you. I was like, can you make a promise to me though? that when I do ask you nicely, would you do it? He's like, absolutely. And we, sh and we shook <laughs> on it. That's a great answer too. Right. <laughs> it was. This kid. Yeah, yeah. And, and we shook on it and I said, you know what, Mason? I go, I gotta tell you, I was like, there are times with this fatherhood thing, man, like where I feel like I get it right. And there are times where I fall flat. That's right. On my face. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and today was one of those days. And I'm like, and I am sorry. I was like, what I just showed you is the not the way to do this. And he's like, no problem. And we forgive wow. e forgive each other and we move on. Yeah. But yeah, man, that, I mean, Ethan, how often does an apology happen? Probably at least once a week. Knowing your pops is the way he is. Like, how do, how do you feel about his propensity for apology? Do, do, do you overall, do you appreciate it? I always expect it. Cause like I said, in one of your um, calls, I was like, if, if you want to be like, like a lot of people say that the alpha male has to be the toughest and the leader and they can't show weakness. And I was mm -hmm. like, but if you are the man who like apologizes and owns up to the mistakes, that's a real alpha male because you're owning up to your mistakes. I just think it's, 
it's not right if you just don't. You recognize there's a real strength in that. There's a strength in saying, hey, look, I did it. I'll take whatever's coming forward. Like, I'm sorry. And, and I imagine you also see how unbelievably weak it is to make excuses, to lie, to, to, to run away. I mean, you're literally operating out of fear. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, 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 and you see that, huh? Yeah. yeah that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Look, you have, you have different kids and each kid is so incredibly different. I'm sure, you you know, what you do with Ethan is different. What you do with the siblings, um, are there uniform things that you, that you like to sort of focus on? Uh, And, and are there, are there, are there nuggets or tidbits you've gotten from, from these great guests and mentors that you talk to that, that, that help you with that and that define your philosophy towards it? Yeah. Such a beautiful question. And you're right. You know, the numbers don't lie. And what I can tell you is, so let, let me frame a, a one, one other statistic. This might scare you a little bit. It scared me when I first heard it, but 80% of our one-on-one time with our kids is gone by the time they're 12. Yeah. I've heard that on yeah. your show. Yeah. yeah. It's terrifying, when yeah. you re- but it also really creates a lot of sense of urgency. And the other thing too is, is that I think a lot of men or and parents just in general, we think we have 18 years, right? We're truly what we have is 18 summers, right? Um, but what you really have, if you really think about it, yes, your kids are, you know, from the age of like one to five, you know, there's, there's a lot of influence in brain development and that kind of thing. I'm, I'm not a parenting expert on that or psychology, but what I will tell you that the range of ages where we truly have impact, I believe as fathers is six to 11 and then, and then on, but those are the years that you really set the foundation of of how these young men and daughters, right, are going to operate, right? And I think what's most important is that we create, at the foundation of father and son or father and daughter, it's connection. It's creating an environment, what we call creating an environment of psychological safety where your kids can come to you and they can tell you anything and everything. And there's ways that we can create that. And there's ways that we can decimate that it's, it's a, it's an absolute skill. What a lot of people don't understand is when it comes to raising young men, right? Let's just take raising young men, raising young daughters. These things are skills. And what's unfortunate is that we wing it. Like we just sort of like, I'll just figure it out as I go. Right. That's or we do it in relation to the, to the presumed success or failure of our own parents or what right. we, th- we, we have this image of our, our own parents as being either good or bad. Right. So we want to either emulate them or do the exact opposite of what they did. Exactly. But, but what you're talking about is approaching it like any sort of technique or anything that's vitally important to you. You got to work, you got to train. So what, what are, what are some of those, those ways? Like what are ways that it gets decimated? So the ways that get decimated is when, um, when kids are in it, when your kids are interacting with you, that you blast them with shame, guilt, blame, pain. Now, I'm not saying that there's never a place for discipline. A lot of people will say, oh, well, that sounds like discipline. It's different, right? And also creating an environment of psychological safety is not the absence of consequences either, right? So um, let, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I like to ask my kids what we call generative questions, a generative question. That's another skill. Um, most guys, um, well, let me just ask you this. When, when, when guys come home or when people come home from work or whatever, and they see their wife and kids or whatever, what do you think is the first question that we ask? How was your day? How was your day? Right. That in and of itself is a really crappy question. Agreed. Now, what I'll tell you is the intention behind that question <laughs> isn't crappy at all <laughs> totally, totally. because we love them and we yeah, care, but there's totally. a better way to ask, yeah. right? So how was your day will always result in good, fine, busy, boring, eh, eh right? Yeah, you don't yeah. have, default question, don't have to think about it. 
But when you ask your kids, what's the question? Go ahead. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is the highlight of your day? Or like, yeah. what is the best part of your day? And there's a whole psychology. So I'm getting to your question of how we create this connection. When you ask your kids, what's, what's the best part of your day? Tell me why it was so meaningful for you. Suddenly, it's not how was school, what'd you learn, how was your day? Suddenly, they're, they're thinking, what was the best part of my day? So when they tell you, they're like, Dad, I had the fitness test today and I cranked out 62 push-ups. I beat Parker. I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, mm-hmm. that's ama- you must feel amazing. So I emotionally label them, right? You must feel amazing. You mm-hmm. match that energy. How cool is it? when we want to share something, like when you get a part, right? And you come home and you tell your wife, you're like, guess what? I got the part, right? And she matches that energy. It, it creates such a beautiful connection. That's one question. The second question is this. Tell, well, what's the second question? What was the least favorite part of your day? What, what was something that like, like challenged you the most? Yeah. Like, and you know, you, you'll get like an answer like, oh, I didn't like this or I didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. But this is where you can create an environment of psychological safety. So I'll show you a, a, a good, like the good response and the response that it's more typical, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just say, I say, hey, you know, Ethan, what was, what was your biggest challenge today? What did you fail at? What was the low point of your day? What did you learn? Now, I love asking the question of what did you fail at today? Because it gets us used to the fact, you know, parents are terrified to see their kids fail. I mean, look at any Little League game. They flip out, right? right? but fail, right? Fail forward, fail fast, right? And learn. That's the thing is learn, right? So I, I think it, I, I think it was you or Mason. I can't remember who it was, but I'll never forget. One was like, Hey, what was a challenge for you today? And I'd be like, and you'll see it, right? Dad, um, you remember when I was sick a couple weeks ago and I missed four days of school? Yep, I do. Well, I have seven missing assignments right now. Was, this was just a couple was weeks me. ago, <laughs> right? Seven missing assignments. I have two F's and what I, Ethan, you know, he's a good student. Doesn't, doesn't get F's. Doesn't usually have missing assignments, but was, was deathly ill. Like was really sick for four days. Now there's a part of me, right. And I, where I, I, as a dad, as a dad, you just want to lay on that lecture. Sure. And I was sitting there thinking like, dude, I've seen you on your phone. I've seen you playing Oculus. I know you haven't been doing your work. Like, and there's that part of me that wants to just blast him and be like, Hey, we don't, we don't get F's man. Right. We don't have missing assignments. You know, you need to get this done and and just point and right. Instead, I was like, okay, I bet that, that took a lot of courage to tell me that, huh? So you welcome that. And I said, tell Mm. me more about that. I don't say, why did this happen? Tell me more about that. He'll explain. Cause tell me more is I'm welcoming information. Why did you do that? that's accusatory and it yeah. puts us psychological. Or how could you do how that? How could you do yeah. that? What's wrong with you? Right. Yeah. And so when he starts explaining these things, well, now I don't have to lecture. And I'm like, and I think the response that I gave to Ethan was, you know, Ethan, I was like, the story I'm telling myself is that you've been down this road already, like last semester. And I remember you coming through it just fine. What did you do that helped you succeed and overcome then? 
I, as much as I want to lecture my kid and just tell him all this great knowledge that I have and tell him what he thinks he should do, kids will t- usually tune out. And so do people when, sure. we're, when we're pointing the finger and lecturing. Sure. But when he's explaining to me the plan, right? Explaining to me the plan of what he's going to do and how he's going to execute. Well, now he's more sold on his plan. He's going to execute his plan. And all I have to do is be like, dude, that's a great idea. Like, how can I support you with that? Like, let's, let's go, right? Fist bump. Well, now suddenly dad becomes a safe place to come and open up these conversations. And here's where I'll tell you, it really pays off. Yeah. There were consequences there, right? Consequences were he had to go in the auditorium and skip lunch and, and work on his projects. He had to go see a teacher for extra help. He had to stay up later than normal. There were natural consequences. But what I will tell you is there's going to come a day where every kid, I don't care who you are, but there's going to be a 17 year old, 18 year old kid who's going to go to a party and is going to drink too much, right? Or, or whatever they're going to do. They have that cell phone in their hand and they have a choice that they're going to make. Do I call my dad because he's the guy I've rep after rep day after day. He's been the guy who I can come to with this stuff. Or do I spin the, do I roll the dice, get behind the wheel of the car and pray to God he never finds out. I will tell you with a hundred percent confidence that my boys know they can pick up that phone and they can call me. They will not be lectured. They will not be blasted. They will not be guilted. I'll be happy that they call me. We might have a conversation about it, a very fruitful one, but it's not going to result in blasting them and punishing them. But that's what I'll tell you. Like, so to answer your question, kids are going to go through super dark, dark times, right? And what they really need is, and I'm not saying coddle your kids. I'm not saying like baby them and they're free of consequences and discipline. There's, there's natural consequences, everything, but you've got to be that safe haven for them to be like, dad, it's dark for me right now, man. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what to do because when a kid doesn't have that, that's when you see them resort to drugs, you know, sure. alcohol, suicidal ideation, all these things. And a lot of parents are like, Oh my God, I, I had no idea. The path to change. Uh, you, you know, I was listening to one, one of the episodes the other day and they're, they're, they're talking about, talking about pain, you know, talking about the pain that you, you create for yourself and the pain that just comes to you and that how that usually generates change and and um how how do you do that how did you do that how have you seen that work for others so what i can tell you is you know it's kind of like your iphone right it's like it has an operating system and what i can tell you is even though i teach this stuff you know i do this stuff i podcast about this stuff i constantly have to override the default operating system like when ethan don't take this the wrong way but when ethan lays information on on that on me like there's still that part of me that wants to be like you know, blast them yeah. right? With, with like, don't you ever talk to me? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Or not, not even if he's talking back, because we, we actually had a, a, an incident between he and I where, you know, he was really wound up about a few things. And, and I said, you know what? I was like, why don't give me your phone until you're done with these assignments. Sometimes you do have to put these, these consequences in place. Right. And he did, he gladly hung handed over his phone. And the, the next day he had all of his assignments done. But what I will tell you is that you have a lot of people think that the skills and I, I, I harp on this, the skills, not the feeling, but the skills of being a father, they are ultra important to learn and to constantly practice. It's no different. You're, you're a boxer, right? You, you have to practice your hook. You have to practice your uppercut. There's a skill and a technique to those things. And you have to know when to do them and when to execute them. 
to override that operating system is number one, to know that you're human, right? But also rely on the skill, right? So like, for instance, if you're a boxer, like you were saying, you, and you're in the ring sparring with somebody and you're, you're up against the ropes and you're like, man, I'm just getting pummeled right now. And you just want to go into fight or flight and just unleash, right? And what happens when we unleash like that is a lot of times we, that's when we get knocked out. For sure. Right? It's when we compose ourselves and be like, I need to, I, we, we don't rise to any occasion. We fall back on our training. So to answer your question is to constantly be a student of these skills around how to communicate with your kids, how to communicate with your wife, um, ask them generative questions, create an environment of psychological safety, use a skill set like tactical empathy, using emotional labels, all of these things that every time we have an interaction or my wife and I do, I always have to look for the opportunity to override my default, you know, system of either, you know, operating as what I would call quote unquote normal, right? To be like, where's the opportunity for us to connect here? Where's the opportunity for me to exercise this skill to connect with my kids more, to connect with my wife more? But it's really like no different than learning an uppercut and just like practicing it mm -hmm. over and over and over again, despite the feeling of like, I don't really want to use it or I kind of want to use it this way or not really that way. But it's like, no, I need to, I need to use it in the way I was taught in the proper technique. I have the full sort of cogent understanding of the last time you were against the ropes yeah. and you just, you just, you know, through your hands, you just let your hands go that that led you to exhaustion and that led you to ultimately get knocked out or right. get in the kitchen sink thrown at you. And then you just know you can't do that. Right. right. So you gotta, you know, you know, it's not working. We, you know, I, I, I talk about it. With, with with acting, you know, if, if if I have to if I have to pick up a new skill set, right? If I want the character that I'm playing, if I know how he sits, if he sits like completely straight up like that, the first thing that I need to do to sort of change myself is realize that I sit like this. I, I sit like this every day and right. I'm not really realizing that this is a habit that I do. So I'm in this state of unconscious incompetence. I don't know that I do it wrong. I'm just doing it wrong. Right. And then I got to get to the next state, which is conscious incompetence where like, I know, okay, you're doing it wrong. Then you get to conscious competence where if I think about it, I can sit like this. And the more time you spend in the box thinking about it, doing it like this day in, day out, day in, day out, you'll get to that place of unconscious competence where you don't even have to think about it. You're just sitting the, the way that you want to be sitting, right? That awareness is that what sort of the alliance is about and this like group of other people, these, these ways of a, a accountability, you talking about it all the time, practicing it. Is that, is that what this has become for you? It's one of them, but what I'll tell you, you want to know what the Alliance is about is exactly what you just said to me. As you're talking about like going from here to here, the, the, the unconscious to the conscious, I'm going to now step into this. It literally clicked for me. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's exactly what it is. You know? So like these conversations, we learn from each other. Right. And I just learned from you. So thank you. All right. Um, no, seriously. Right, course, um, <laughs> but here's what I'll tell you about most men, the Alliance, that kind of thing. Most men walk the earth with this lone wolf right. mentality, right? Here's the crazy thing. We view the lone wolf as strong, right? It, the lone wolf is strong. He can handle everything on his own. I think if most men really understood what happens to the lone wolf, because his fate isn't pretty, the lone wolf dies. And the lone wolf, two different situations. The lone wolf is either of old age or injured or whatever. So he leaves the pack to go die. Mm -hmm or he's lost the pack in some sort of chaotic situation. He's lost his pack. Well, now he's going to die either from starvation or another predator. Either way, the lone wolf dies. 
the pack is strong because of the wolf and the wolf is strong because of the pack. Hmm. Most men are living this quiet life of desperation and isolation where we're surrounded physically by other men, but mentally and emotionally and through conversation and learning, we don't have those iron sharpen iron relationships. We have like these more rusty relationships. So the Alliance, you know, it's a community we've had since 2016. And what it is, is it's a community of men who are honorable, who are hungry, humble, and ungodly imperfect, right? Of course. But what we are, what, what our vision is, is we want to create an extraordinary marriage and we want the skills to do that. Communication, connection, intimacy, the whole nine yards. We want this connection with our kids where we create connection, psychological safety, these beautiful memories, right? Um, we want to learn leadership skills. You know, we want to learn, we want to optimize our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. You can't do that all by yourself. I mean, you can, but you're going to face plant and run into walls and, you know, like every day. But here's the thing. Just because you're a part of a community, you know, like the Alliance or whatever part of your, that doesn't immune you from still making mistakes. That Absolutely. doesn't immune you from falling on your face. But here's the, here's the thing. When you do have those speed bumps and when you do fall on your face, most men, what they do, man, they, the, the number two killer right now for men between the age of 25 and 52 is suicide. That's because we go inward. You know, we go inward with shame and guilt and frustrations and who am I? What's wrong yeah. with me? Why, why can't I do this or that? I'm just not worth it. Like, that's what guys are saying. And it's the community that's like, no, man, come here, bring all, bring all your dirty laundry. You know, let's air it out and let's let it go. It's like a 50 pound rucksack. Take it off. Let's learn. Let's recalibrate and let's keep going. Right. Yes, we do. You know, man, and, and I, and I got to tell you, that's what I really appreciate, you know, and just love about, about what you do. Cause you do, you always lead with humility. You do, you're not a guy who says, Hey, I got all the answers. You always talk about your failures. You always talk about your mishaps. And a lot of times in a, in a, in a really like emotionally honest, what, you know, like you've broken down on your podcast before because you, you, you're so the shame is real. You know, when you mess up for your kids, it's real, you oh, know, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and, and it's constant, <laughs> you know, uh, the intention is, is, is beautiful. And, 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 and the intention of trying to get better for yourself and trying to get others better is, um, it is martial arts, man. It's, it's the same thing. Like you, you can practice all you want in your room, but it's like, you know, having a good academy, a good gym to go to, that's the way to get better. Get your ass beat a little yeah. bit, you know, yeah. and then get a little bit better. You have something to judge yourself off of. Talk a little bit about the, the more versus the better. Yeah. <laughs> Talk a little bit you more. do listen to the podcast. I do. I yeah. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if, if you ask any man, like, so let's just take marriage, for instance. We have, we have real data on this. Anytime a guy wants to join the alliance, and the reason I'm sharing this data is because we have hard data on it. Anytime a man wants to join the alliance, he fills out an application, and then he chooses through that application what is most meaningful for him. There's five choices, marriage, parenting, leadership, finances, health. 80%, and we've helped thousands of guys to date. 80-plus percent of men have identified one of the things that they want most is to create a, an incredible marriage with their yeah. wife, right? Those things that does not happen by accident. And here <laughs> more, I laugh about this because I was the more and better guy forever. Uh, but here's what I'll tell you. When a guy comes and joins us, I'll ask him like, what, what do you most want? Well, I want, I want a better marriage. I'm like, okay, better. And I'm like, what is it about your marriage that you want better? I want better communication. I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, I want, I want more communication. I was like, okay, well, if you had more time to communicate with your wife, right. what would that bring you? And they're like, well, I don't know. We, we would talk about more. We'll talk about what? 
well, I don't know. We would talk about like our, our, our feelings and our, our visions. You can tell they're just trying to figure it out as they're talking, which is great, but they don't, they're not clear on it. And I was like, so if you had more time, that would get you there. And I was like, so in order for you guys to talk about your, your relationship, your vision, your dreams, your fantasy, all this other stuff, right? You have to create an environment of psychological safety for your wife and you, that you guys can talk about these things. You have to know how your wife communicates and how you communicate. So like, for instance, like you and I are dudes, right? If I come to you and I'll be like, Hey John, like this is going on in my life, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I'm not exactly sure what to do. And if you sit there and be like, yeah, sounds rough. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like from dude to dude. I'd be like, yeah. well, what do you think I should do about it? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. now when our wives come to us, right. And this is what a lot of guys don't understand. This is where more and better comes in a lot of when, when women are talking to us, right. Or when our wives are talking to us, they're not looking 80% of the time. They're not looking for us to solve their problems, right? What they're actually looking for is connection. So when they're talking to us, you know, what, you know, like you come home, right. And you're like, Hey, um, what's your day been like today? And they're like, Oh my gosh, it was so overwhelming. You know, the water company called, I forgot to pay the bill. We just got another medical bill, you know, from Mason's emergency room. It's $2,500. And you know, Colton was acting out today, blah, blah, blah. I, as a man, I immediately be like, what? That really doesn't sound like that big of a deal. Like we'll just pay the late fee and put on go. And, and what I just did to my wife was I completely invalidated her. Your wife has three basic needs to feel seen, to feel heard and to feel safe. And when we communicate and not learning these skills, we actually do the opposite of that. So what I, if I respond to my wife, even though it makes total sense to me, like, that's not that big of a deal. We'll just do this. We'll do this, this. Yeah. She'll sit there and be like, did you not just hear me? Like I, and so what she doesn't need in that moment, she doesn't need you to solve the problems. What she needs is to be seen and heard. So I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's overwhelming. Who wouldn't be overwhelmed? Tell me more about that. And then immediately it's like intimacy, huh. it's connection. And that's this. So when a guy says, I want more and better, I was like, you have to become a boss at validating your wife's feelings. You have to be able to see her by labeling her emotions. Don't just listen to her words listen for the emotion that she's probably feeling and put a label on it, right? That sounds overwhelming. Who wouldn't be overwhelmed? Tell me more about that. When you label somebody else's emotion, how it lands for your wife psychologically is it calms her down. It connects her to you. And she suddenly feels this, this elevated intimacy with you. And she wants to tell you more. Sure. And a lot of guys are sitting there thinking like, I still have to override that operating system of like, am I even being useful right now? Shouldn't I tell her how we should solve this? But that's not what she needs in that moment. But so more and better is knowing like, okay, so she needs to feel seen, heard and safe. So I need to learn the skills in order to operate within that manner. That is what will get you more and better. It's not just more time and it's not better time. It's what to do in those moments. I've been thinking a lot about this more versus better. I think we all as men, you know, we want, you know, whether it's about sex, whether it's about connection, whether it's about a time, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's so right. It's like, how do you be intentional? How do you make that time work? How do you make that come back for that one weekend, make that weekend awesome, like plan it out, have the conversation, make sure you like hit the time for like really having time with your wife where it's just you guys get some individual time with each kid, have the time where it's the whole family together. You know, how do you design that rather than just go, 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 try to create as much as, as, as possible. Yeah. And, uh, it's important. Men, our three basic needs is to feel appreciated respected 
validated and everything you just said, right. It's like, man, like at the end of the day, like we, we so desire, and this is good for both men and women who listen to your podcast. Cause yes, we're talking about men, but one thing that we teach guys around communicating with their wife is like, Hey, communicate with her. What is most meaningful for you when it comes to appreciation? Tell her those things or catch most importantly, catch her doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. What does it mean for you to be respected by your wife? Right. What is What does that look like for you? Right. To be respected. So like, for instance, now that your female listeners know those three basic needs, one of the other things we teach our guys is that when your wife does something like, so if my wife comes up to me and she's like, thank you so much for working as much as you do for us. It allows me to stay home. And, and, you know, it's just, it's, and, and like, I mean, I think stereotypically guy, people think guys need that physical, sexual, physical part of the relationship. You, if a woman tells her man, I appreciate how hard you work for us. It means so much to us. Like the skies open up for us. We're like, Oh my God. Like, so we always tell our guys, think about the three to five things that make you feel that, that, you feel most appreciated, most respected, right? Most loved, right? Catch her doing those things and communicate them, right? And communicate them very, very clearly because that's what will, I think, get you. Meaning the when those things happen to be like, hey, thank you so much, like acknowledging them and, and, and showing your appreciation. Is that what you mean? So there's two different ways to do it. Number one is catching them in the act, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, so for instance, when we catch our kids in the act of doing something like Mason brought you home a poster from state wrestling, right? Yeah. So when we catch our kids doing something right, we always link it to a characteristic trait. So it's like Mason. And when he gave it to him, I was like, Mason, that was so generous of you to think of your brother. That was so kind of you to think of him and give awesome him that. Yeah. That, and uh, so like that was, you know, that's cool. And the same thing is true for your wife. Now, my wife and I, we use this skill set called generative questions a lot where we can manufacture those things. So like, for instance, one of the questions that we'll ask ourselves sometimes even on a weekly basis is over the past week, what were a few things I did that made you feel most loved? What was the things I did that makes you feel most appreciated, right? That way I'm constantly learning. She's constantly learning and we're constantly having this conversation. So it's like, Oh, it's that. Oh, well, perfect. I can do that more. Right. right. And then you do more, right. More and better. That's the thing. That's the specific thing that moves the needle. Well, I can do that more. I can do that better. And because I do that thing, now our relationship and our communication is better and more, right? Yeah, yeah. I dig that. I dig yeah. that. Thank you, man. And and um, can you just talk about some other routines? I know that you have talked about um, that you leave your your boys' notes. Yeah, uh, which I think is super cool. Um, uh, I I just heard that the other day, and I was like, oh shit, I got to start yeah. doing that. That's great. Is there other routines that you sort of like are or and you know maybe maybe like just a couple that pop into to mind that, that, that really have worked for you or that you really dig or have worked for people in the Alliance. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll share. And again, crowdsource wisdom. This isn't, this isn't my idea, but I'll share you, share one with you and, and every other listener that one of the most simplest things, this actually came <clears throat> from one of our guys in the Alliance. And so he can't, he got on one of our calls and he was like, man, he's like, my whole house is completely turned around. The morale is better. When I come home from work, my kids hug me. They're waiting for me at the door. When I ask them to do their homework or chores, that I don't get put up a fight anymore. And like my, my wife has even been more receptive. We've had more intimacy. And we're like, all right, dude, do tell. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, I've made one shift. He's like, every time someone makes eye contact with me, I smile at them. And I was like, and we were all like, that's it? 
And he's like, that's it. He's like, and because of that, I've just really noticed. I told myself for the next 30 days, I'm going to do that. It's just one thing. And that's the only thing I'm changing. And because of that, all these other things are happening. I was wow. like, holy crap. Is it really that simple? Like, yeah, it is. Um, but as far as like routines go, yes, I leave my kids notes, but here's, here's a great idea that your listeners can use. I have no financial interest in Vistaprint, by the way, but, but I'll, I'll share with you what I do. So about every year, what I do is I make custom postcards for my boys and it's, it's just a picture of them at like a high point moment or a beautiful memory that we've had. One of Ethan's that I use is, well, you can tell them what the photo is on it. Yeah. So it's uh, when we went to Vegas and saw Hoover Dam and we got the cool view like on the other side of it and we took a picture right there and that's what you usually use for the, the cards and it's really cool. Yeah. And like with the, like the cool filters and to make it look, look a lot better and like the live legendary on it. It's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like a high point moment that they're proud of or we're proud of or whatever. And then I'll just write a note. I'll slip it in their Chromebook, in their lunchbox, you know. And then what it, when, when they see the photo, what it does for them psychologically, it brings them back to that beautiful moment. And then they flip it over. And it, usually I try to do something where I acknowledge and appreciate something about them. like, And it's something really, really recent. And I'm specific about it. Like, hey, I saw you do this and I appreciated it because, right? that your kids actually have the same three basic needs as your wife. And it doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl seen, heard and safe. So when you, when you do that, they feel seen. Hmm. Right. Um, and that that's something that just really deposits for them. So that's one thing. Yeah. The notes, the other thing too, um, our, our, ta our, our dinner table at times is absolute freaking chaos. Like there are little ones talking over big ones, adults trying to talk. One of the things that we we've been doing here lately is like, Hey, Let's each go around the table, pick one person and think of something that you appreciated, uh, you appreciate about them or you saw them do something that you appreciate. Right. And then suddenly the table gets quiet and everybody's actually taking turns talking. And I did this. Um, we had some major tragedies happen um, and literally all this happened within two weeks and you could just feel like the heaviness and the morale as we were all sitting at dinner, everybody's morale was just kind of low. And I did that. And I did that. And one of the coolest things about leveraging these skills, right, is that you can, it's almost like seeing the matrix. You implement one of these skills and you do them. And it's almost like you can see the, the matrix and the agents, right? You can zoom out from the situation. You can see things unfold. And I said, guys, I was like, it's been a really rough couple of weeks. I was like, let's go around the table and acknowledge and appreciate each person here for something you saw them do over the past seven days. And my 15 year old's girlfriend was there and I just sat back and I literally just watched everybody's morale go from here to here. People were suddenly smiling again. The family was connected again. There was happiness. There, there were smiles. There was just like, man, this is exactly what we freaking needed. Right? So that's a routine as well. But, um, I think if you can implement some beautiful questions to pose your family with over dinner, also do that, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's, it's awesome. Whether or not your kids give you a thoughtful answer or not, right. leaving them notes where you specifically <clears throat> appreciate them about something. Those are routines that I literally like lay the foundation, very simple stuff, but it just sets such a beautiful foundation. In athletics, I feel like, especially in youth athletics, everything's very heightened. It's very, people, people lose, lose sight of their own behavior very quickly. I mean, we've all been at the, 
you know, the little league baseball games where, you know, dads are just like <laughs> hurling obscenities or yelling yeah. at each other. It's just like, wow, dude, you're like really awful. <laughs> but like, they're really like, like spiraling out of control and you get to really see things for what they are. What, what are some examples of like fathers or parents that are sort of trapped in their own ego? Uh, what are some examples of that? And then, and then um, what are some ways that you feel that they can break out of that, that, that you've learned about to break out of that? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. So let's just talk about the elephant in the room of the ego of like, well, if I need help being a father, I must be a poor father. Mm-hmm. That's your ego talking, right? right. Like, let, let me break the news right now. None of us really know exactly how to do this the best sure. way possible. The, you know, the title of my book coming out is The Pursuit of Legendary Fatherhood. My publisher was like, why don't you just call it Legendary Fatherhood? I was like, because there ain't no such thing. Right, right. I was like, there's the pursuit of it, but there's not like no one got to the top of the mountain being like, hey, you know, I did it. Um, but there's the pursuit of it. The ego really plays a huge part in this. And, here, and this is where I really want to flip this on its head. It used to be, I remember when you and I kind of grew up like our generation, if your parents were going through counseling, Oh my God, that stigma, you're broken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your, your family's so screwed up. You're yeah. so screwed up. Yeah. You know, that, that is so not true. Right. Yeah. And it's still to this day, a lot of people are like, well, if I have to go to counseling, oh man, I'm really broken. Or if I need help, I'm really, really broken. That is your ego. Like, but when someone, here's the funny thing. Hey man, I just hired a personal trainer. They're like, oh wow, you, you have arrived. Yeah, right. You, you have a personal trainer. Yeah, That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Right. That's a coach. That's someone who's leading you, right? That's someone who has who has created the path already and who's helping you, like your boxing trainer and all these yeah. things, right? So be very, very careful about what you label things, right? Like we all need mentors. We all need coaches. Your ego is the one that's going to keep you from your best life. Your ego is going to be the one like, oh, no, no, I, should, I, I, I shouldn't need that because that says I'm broken. It's actually a true moment of courage when you step into that boxing gym and you're like, hey, coach. I don't know a whole lot, but I'm willing to learn. That's the release of ego, right? And that is what actually makes you a better fighter. It's not because you trained on your own, right? Here's one funny story. Are you, do you watch the UFC at all? A little bit. Okay. Do you know Frankie Edgar? I know who he is, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a, he holds the most minutes in the cage. So I had him on my podcast. Um, I, I flew up to New Jersey and was at his house for his podcast. And he and I were joking about this very same thing. I was like, if we could just flip this situation around, because he had a very similar question. I said, I know a little bit of martial arts, right? But if I got, he's 140 pounds, five foot six, right? I'm six foot one, 170 pounds. I was like, if I got in the ring with you, like I might last 17, 18 seconds Uh at the most right now, right? And I'd step out of the ring and all my friends and family would be like, uh, what did you expect? Yeah. Like you got pummeled. Like, what did you expect? Like, you know, I just, if I need a trainer, (laughs) then I'm broken. Right. And, uh, now on the flip side, if I went out and got some training and I trained for it for three months, I might add, might last like 23 seconds. 23. Yeah. But I would probably do a little better, but it's because I'm like, Hey, I'm not going to fight this guy on my own. Right. I'm not going to fight this battle on my own. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the skills. I need to learn. And that's really okay. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Being a married man, raising young people, raising young kids, the same rules apply. And if you can't do it on your own, welcome to the club. Right, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? If you were to talk to each of your kids, uh, what, would, what, what do you think that they would say 
about you as a dad? Like, what 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 would they say about you? Um, that's great. What would they say that that's not so great? Oh and, boy, uh, you don't have to go kid by kid. But yeah. you can or felt like or what they would say. You know, overall. Well, be I, so I'll speak for three. But I, I'd love to hear Ethan. I'll let you think on that one. And by the way, it's just. I don't care what you say. Just be, be honest. Like, <laughs> you know, don't, you're not going to embarrass me. I think my, all my dirty laundry is out there. Um, so gel on that for a second. I would say my 15 year old and I, um, the, the good thing that he likes, I think about our relationship is that a lot of times no words need to be said. Sometimes, you know, I always feel compelled to have conversation. He's more my quiet guy. And sometimes it's just sitting next to him and I'll just like, put my hand on his back just to be like, I'm here. Even if you don't want to talk. Uh, we also love fitness. Uh, I work out with Ethan. I work out with Mason. He, I would say he probably loves doing anything active with me. Um, as far as, you know, things that I do that he doesn't like it's, I'm always on him to be responsible, to pick up after himself. And sometimes I can be a little in his face about it. Um, the other thing too, is my love for him never is about how he's performing on the football field or the wrestling matter, his grades, you know, it has everything to do. I always say it's the man, the character that you're becoming has very little to do with the other things, right? You're focusing on the character and all those things. The other things will come. My nine-year-old, um, I would say <laughs> he loves when we go out to breakfast or we draw together. Um, right now my nine-year-old is writing a book, uh, a kid's book called, um, always get back up. You know, we write books. We wrote that, he wrote it and we're kind of doing it together. My six-year-old, he's about the easiest thing in the world to please. Uh, sorry, my seven-year-old, uh, it, it, it doesn't take a lot to please him at all. It's just literally spending time with him. But I would say he's at that age, and Ethan and I were just talking about this this morning. He's at that age where we're constantly having to redirect him and course correct because he's, he's a seven-year-old. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, he's, and he's making seven-year-old decisions, right? But I would say we're always we're in this season with him where we're always course correcting, right? And I would say that probably like gets on his last nerve. So yeah, but you want to take the because I don't know what you're gonna say, but go ahead. Like just some things that I appreciate about things you appreciate and things that maybe not so much. Okay, like, well, not yeah. <laughs> First thing I hate is half no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess um, the things that I really like is that you like to, um, like, back to, like, apologizing and stuff. Like, I think it's awesome that you do that because then I think, because I know you don't want to ruin the relationship with, like, anyone. And I think it's really cool that you do that. And that's, I love that a lot. And the things I'm not a big fan of is how you harp on yourself about something super stupid or just getting mad at something really stupid. Like, if you have a rough day, you're like, all right, I got to keep my cool. got to gotta get patient. Like, here we go. And, like, some Colton or Lawson or someone just does something you don't really like, and you're just like, I'm going to lose my cool. <laughs> so when we're really wound up as adults or even kids or whatever, like, oh, my gosh, like, this is really testing me. I don't know why this is happening. This is pissing me off, blah, 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 blah. One thing that we ask ourselves and of each other in our family is, hey, man, I see something's going on. What is the right next thing? Mm -hmm. Usually what happens is, is that poses another beautiful generative question of it gets me out of that state of like, I'm in chaos right now and there's a lot of thoughts going on. I'm losing my patience or this or that. I'm stressed out. Wait a second. What is the right next thing? Well, the meaning, right meaning what, what, what do you mean by what is the right next thing? 
Right. So like, for instance, um, when you can stop, like every, every man, every father goes through these cycles of like, maybe they've lost their, like you have a bad day at work. Um, you're overwhelmed. You don't have patience, you know, and then things just kind of start to snowball and then you see, it starts to snowball in your mind, right? Sure. Like, man, why can't I be more patient? Why can't I communicate sure. with my wife? Why can't this? So all really, really poor questions. But when you ask yourself time out, what is the right next thing? And the right next thing poses a question in your mind of like, what is the solution here? Or what's something I can make towards a solution? Right, right, right. You right. know, versus being stuck in this psychological loop of why can't things be better? Right. And being led by sort of your frustration or your spiral, like exactly. how do I get out of it and like just start moving towards right. being solution based. I love that. And then um, I know how deeply moral you are. And I, I, I know uh, I find that with a lot of your guests and a lot of uh, a lot of like what I think the alliance stands for is this is this uh, morality, but at any point does that morality, you know, is there a way to be moral without being judgmental? And in some ways, like in being a parent, like is there any, is there any benefit for sort of learning about these, the, the, these other sides and be, being, being able to be sort of cogent in it, if, if that makes, uh, makes any sense? I think so, yeah. So I think, you just answered, I think, your own question, which is uh, I had a guest on, uh, Bedros Koulian. Uh, he is the founder of the Squire, and which is a rite of passage and all that. He uh, he said a quote, which I thoroughly believe in, which is best lessons in life are caught, not taught. Hmm. So, um, for instance, if we want our kids to be able to have conversational excellence with anybody from any walk of life, you have to be able to walk that talk under your own roof. You have to be able to teach those skills under your own roof. I would put Ethan in any situation with any human being on the planet. He, he is like an empathetic conversational yeah, boss. That. Like he really, really is. And here's what I'll tell you. And I, I want to answer this question a bit broadly, just for men in general, men who come in and do self-development work, right? Any type of development work. A lot of men don't really identify themselves as really worth it. In fact, there's a lot of guilt that's involved with like, if I take time and resources away from my family to make me a better me, well, that's selfish and that's, that's, that's wrong. Right. And we always tell people that we always tell the men, it's one of the most selfless things you can do. And the whole thing about like, whether or not you're worthy, think of it this way, the work that you choose to do as a man, husband, and father, and the work that you choose not to do as a man, husband, and father, it doesn't start and stop with you. Sure. A lot of men think that, well, like my, per my development starts and stops with me. It doesn't. What the work that you do and how you do it will trickle into your kids, will trickle into your grandkids. This is actually legacy work. So like for instance, if you wanna learn how to communicate better with your kids and put be able for your kids to be put in an environment where they can relate to anybody, relate to anybody's story, whether it's race, whether it's faith, whether it's means or whatever, then be willing to, to conversate with them as such and expose them to those situations as such. Because I could tell Ethan all day long, you know, hey, here's how you have a conversation with somebody. But it's different if I have the conversation with him, right, and put him in those situations. So the secret to fatherhood is I could tell, we could tell our kids all day long, this is what you do and this is how you do it, but they never see it. Those words just do not matter at all. 
I remember there was a time when, when my friends and I in high school, we were all in like pretty serious trouble, like pretty serious trouble with the law. And, you, you know, um, and for like a violent crime, you know, not something we started, but something we definitely finished. And, and, um, and it was bad. And I remember like my dad and my best friend's dad sort of approaching it so differently. And, and my dad was sort of of the mindset, look, by all means necessary, we like keep these kids out of the system, like whatever it takes. Like we, we just, we, we, we defend this, we figure out a way to keep them because once they're in that system, it's, 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 it's beyond our control and we don't want to lose them that way. And I, and, and then I remember my friend's dad sort of being like, no, let them, let them go. Like, let them feel this. Like, who cares? Like, let, like that will teach them more than anything else. And I remember growing up thinking that like my friend's dad, like, like asking myself, like, is that a bad father? Like, is Mm -hmm. that, like, is that not? And thinking my dad, like, what a great, what a great dad. Like he, 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 but the truth is, you know, as we went on, that kid never really got in trouble again. And I kept getting in trouble over and over and over again. My pops always had my back. He was, it was the one thing that like made my life different than anybody else that I was sort of dealing with when I was getting in trouble with the system is there was always somebody sort of waiting outside for me. There's always somebody, as soon as I get out, he was there. And I'm so grateful for that. And I tell my kids, no matter what, like I'm, I'm always going to be by you. Like no matter what, I will always be there, but it's tricky, man. That's it. That's it. It's it's really, really tricky. And, um, and I just, I just wonder about that. I don't know if that's a, a question. It's, it's more of a, I don't know if you, if, if you got something on it, great. If not, I'll get So I, I, I love that question. Uh, you know, 2020, I was pulled over, um, you know, whole family. And is there anything more humiliating than being pulled over in a minivan? <laughs> like, I mean, granted, like we have flames on it and a spoiler, but other than that, <laughs> hit the nitrous. Yeah. But no, yeah. we, we, uh, we were going through this, uh, this small little town, never been through. We were on our way to, uh, to like a whole day. It was a couple hours away from home and, um, got pulled over. And like in this little small town in Missouri, right. The sheriff, right. Who is just waiting for somebody outside of his like city to be like, who am I going to teach a lesson? Ain't going to come through my town. Right. This cop pulls me over. I'm going 50 and he pulls me over and I roll down my window and literally in my mind, I'm like, I have the opportunity to be either a cop out here or I have the opportunity to just own my shit in front of my family. Mm-hmm. So I rolled down my window and I really did not know why he was pulling me over. And I said, uh, he said, you were going pretty fast. I said, I, I was, I was like, because I, I was in a 50, right? He goes, you were until you crossed the school zone. I was like, Oh, I was like, what's the speed limit? He said 35. And I said, yep, I got zero excuse. I was like, I didn't see the sign, but that's not, that's on me. And I thought, to be honest, I thought the honesty would get me out of the ticket. Mm-hmm. And he went back to his car. And said, Not in my town, boy. <laughs> right? He comes back, gives me the ticket. And the funny thing is, is that was back. That was three years ago. But I constantly refer back to that when we have conversations like around the kids' grades or performance or whatever else. I'm like, hey, you know, if you got an F on the test, right? It's not because the teacher did this or this or that or this excuse or that. It's on you. Just like it's not the cop's fault that that's I right. didn't see the speed limit. That's right. It's not the cop's fault that I didn't, I had never been in that town. I could have came up with 10 excuses. Bottom line is I was wrong and I need to, I need to own that. So I think there's some ownership in that to, to teach that on the flip side, I mean, I can, I can empathize and sympathize with both situations where I'd want to keep my kids out of the system. Right. But I could also be like, no, you need to feel some pain. I think that 
a, a good common ground is so like I've, I've seen my kids go through pain, right. Of like having to, you know, they, they get an F or they do this or they do that. Right. And my job, I always, in my mind, my job is not to save you. Right. But I'll walk through it with you. I'll be there with you side by side. I'm not going to leave your side and I'll be there with you through this whole thing. There are times where I can maybe help and depending on the situation, I will help. And there are some other times I'm not going to do anything right. and I'm just going to allow you to feel it. And trust me, it, a lot, I think as, as a young man or our kids, they look at your dad and be like, well, gosh, you have no idea. Like, this is so hard. Well, it's actually easier for me as your father to throw you a golden parachute right? It's easier because I don't want to go through that pain either. Just as much as you're feeling pain of whatever it is you're going through, I'm feeling pain going through it with you. And I could save us both a lot of pain if I just save you from it. But that's not going to teach you that's anything, right. right? It's it's the failures. You know, it's the people that that fail. It's the people that make mistakes, right? I mean, the reason, you know, you went through that situation and you went through different situations and so did I growing up of like, oh, wow, yeah feel that I'll never do that again. Holy crap. And it wasn't because somebody saved me. It's because I felt the pain of it. But I think, I think we have an opportunity as fathers to always have a message of, I'm not going to abandon you. Like, like, listen, man, I'm here for you. Right. Or your daughter, like, listen, sweetheart, I'm here with you. Right. We're going to have to go through some stuff, but I'm not going to leave your side. That's right. And you don't have to go through it alone, but it is going to hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's just walk through it together. Just, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, do you have, uh, do you have anything before we stop? Do you have anything for me? I, I, I do. I do have something for you. Okay. Um, I would really just love to know. Um, and I, I've had just some amazing, you know, high level people, celebrities, you know, McConaughey's come on the podcast and stuff like that. And we've had like these, you know, pro athletes. And the thing that I'm always fascinated of, and I, I've always been a fan of yours, but it's not necessarily because of the work that you do. Like it's because I've known your story and I, I, and, and even now I've, I've gotten a really good glimpse of like the person you are, the mm-hmm. man that you are. But what I'm really curious is, you know, the world wants a piece of you at all times. All you have to do is open up your phone and there's 20 million things that people need from you being, you know, your example of, you know, being on planes and like, I gotta get back home and like being stretched so thin for the common man, even just having a nine to five, it's hard sometimes to be like, oh my God, I just, I've just been dealt like a shit sandwich all day at work and people need everything from me and I'm spread so thin. I don't know how I can even give anymore. And I really respect and honor you guys who are operating at this elite level where millions of people know you. And my wife and I just had this conversation of like, I don't know if I would ever want to be famous like at that level. Like it would scare the shit out of me. Like people think it's glamorous. Mm-hmm. I think it's extremely hard. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious for you, somebody who's operating at that level where at any point in time people want or need something from you. Like how do you have enough left over at the end of your days and stuff like that? Yeah, man. I mean, good. Yeah. Good question. I mean, I, I you know, uh, I think it, all of this comes back to intentionality and, 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 and why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. Uh, I've talked about it a bunch of times, baseball coach in college used to say it's such a mental thing being up at that, the plate. And you'd say that, you know, it's so mental 
And when you start getting bad thoughts and you start spiraling out of control at the plate, you're never going to hit the ball. And, and if you don't step out, you're just going to get sucked into that spiral and it's not going to work. But what you need to do is you need to step out of the batter's box and you got to remember why you're doing it in the first place. Like, why do you play ball? And if you need to go back to the first day, go back to the time when you just loved it, when you just loved the game, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think for me, you know, the, I, I love, you know, that, the, you know, acting, you know, it, it legitimately saved my life. Like this, 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 this art, this craft, although I hate when actors use that word, but I love it. I love I love doing it. I love the, the the relationships that it affords. I love the collaboration, uh, the different kinds of folks coming together to build something together, something uh, that we're all taking a real risk at, that we can all fail deeply at every single time we go out. I love having the stakes that high. I'm amazed and thrilled and like overwhelmingly freaking grateful that I get to do it uh, you know, not, not just like at the level that I do and with the people that I get to do, but that like I have opportunities that it's like, it blows my mind. And there was 10 years of struggling and crying in my pillow when my wife's a ICU trauma nurse and me just saying, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And her gently reminding me that, you know, she's in there seeing people literally at their lowest and that perspective saving me. And it's something that my wife and I, we built this together. She used to come to plays when I was bouncing uh, that that was really my job. She'd come to plays where there was more people on stage than in the audience, you know. And she was like, "You're good at this," you know. And I can't believe that this woman like fell for that guy. Like with this, this his dream was impossible, and I was really good at nothing else. Um, so I'm 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 overwhelmingly grateful. The fame thing, or like being known, the negative outweighs the positive in a lot of ways. But if that is sort of the price that you pay to be able to do what you love to do, I'd take that a any second, like, like it's worth it. You know, you gotta be incredibly intentional about what you're doing and, and you gotta be where you are while you're there. And, and <clears throat> I, I really try to leave my phone in my truck. I, I do suffer from burnout, but like I do try to like just like be there as much as I can. And when I'm there, I really try to be there. It's a big reason why I don't live in LA. I live in a small mountain town where everybody knows me as Billy Henry and Addie's dad. I, I don't know if that answers it fully. That's a lot, but I mean, I, I think that like yeah, being being where you are while you're there is 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 huge. And and always always leading with 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 gratitude. Yeah, you know. I think you said it beautifully. Is is be where your feet are at. You know, I, and I think that's one of the hardest things sometimes to to do as even a normal father, you know, but I'm always so fascinated by that. I'm like, my gosh, like if 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 the average dude like struggles with this, what is it like for for these guys? Like, I can't even imagine or fathom. Um, but I appreciate you answering that. question. You have time for one more? Yeah, sure. Okay, of course, cool. Yeah. Um, I want to put you in a situation. OK, sure. You're cool with sure. it. Yeah. I want you to fast forward 20 years from today. So. Dude, your dad's the man, dude. <laughs> He's been, this is why I love his show, bro. That's why. I, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, anyway, so, sorry. so you yeah, you go. you've been married for twenty years longer. Mm -hmm. Your eleven year old is thirty one. Mm -hmm. Ten wow. ten year old is thirty. Uh, you seven, right? You said seven. My my baby seven. Yeah. Seven. Twenty seven years old. Mm -hmm. You and your wife sitting around dinner. Kids are probably married at the time. Maybe maybe you even have grandkids at that point. 
but you, you just hold up your cup and you say, Hey guys, I just want to take a moment here. I just want you to share what's been most meaningful for you guys over the past 20 years. What would they be telling you that hasn't happened yet? What would they be telling me about their last 20 years? That with, yeah, with you. With, with me and with, our with you and the family and yeah, the things that were most meaningful to them. What I'm most excited for and hopeful for and ultimately will be proud of and, 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 and am proud of for my kids is the quality of their relationship, the depth of the love that they have for each other uh, and, 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 and for their friends and for their cousins and for their family and their, their, their grandparents, their aunts and uncles, their, their, their animals, their pets. Um, you know, my, it was funny in our little town, there's uh, usually we, we shoot the podcast up there and we do this, this bar called the Deer Lodge which is uh, this old biker bar, which is kind of like a home away from home for, for me. It's this great place, man. And as a family, once a week, with all the dogs and the kids, we hike from our backyard. It's about a three-mile hike. We, we cross this river. We go up this mountain, and we walk to the Deer Lodge, and we, have, and we, and we Gosh, eat dinner. Awesome. And uh, there's one time where my wife and I were hanging out, and uh, this was like a couple years ago. And my wife and I were hanging out and like sometimes we go and we eat, but there's also this pool table. And sometimes the kids just like play pool and we just eat out there and talk and hang out. And like, you know, we know everybody in the town. So um, we were hanging out there and my kids were all playing pool and we were, and, and my wife just said, oh my gosh. And I said, what? And she said, I just had this vision. Like these guys are going to be right here, like playing pool, like 20 years from now, like with each other, you know? And I think that's it. I think that like their love for each other, how they've been there for each other. You know, my kids are still at the age right now where they, they go at it, you know? And sometimes like, you know, they're, they're, they'll, they'll be mean to their little sister, dude. And like, if, if you want to see like one way to get me not in my best set, it's like when they go after their little sister, it like, that does something to me that like, dude, and, uh, and they, they do it like, and they, they, you know, and they're, and I always say, and like, you know, my brothers and I fought and I just always say like that, like, look at that person. Like that is your best friend. Like more than like, they're going to be with you till the end. Like that is the biggest gift you will ever have on this planet is that sibling, that brother, that sister. Like that's the only person at the end of the day. You know what I mean? It's such a gift that that's what I, I hope. And, and I believe I will be most proud of is how they have supported each other and how much they love each other and how much they recognize how much great gratitude they have for each other. And the closeness and the strength and richness of those those relationships, man. You know, it's 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 always fascinating when. I love that answer, by the way, because whenever we fast forward, you know, to the future, and we envision the family, it has very little to do with fame, how much money we have in the bank, the cars that we're driving, totally. like the stuff that we chase, like all the time. It has everything to do with the connection and the relationships and uh dude thanks for that story by the way are oh, you yeah. are you adopting because like I, I'll, i'd love to hike with you guys <laughs> come on man come on up dude we're all we're, we're open bro dude, we're that, open in ojai those are awesome memories man like yeah. i'm just envisioning like your family like like sitting around the table like hiking up to that place you know where we we take the dog and we have dinner and then we hike back like that's cool man it is cool but you know i think it's also important for the for, for the audience to know because like i hear things like that too and i'm like Wow, like yeah. why don't and I think you go to a place of why don't I have that? Yeah. But the truth is, is like you do. Nobody's got this thing licked. You no. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's the beauty. You know, it's yeah. it's striving 
it's striving towards something and, and, and having that image and you like going towards it with everything you got, you know? Totally, man. Yeah. You're talking about like uh, zooming out from the situation and appreciating what's unfolding in front of you, which I think is, is, is inc- it's an incredible skill set, you know, to look through that appreciative lens. So those are, those are cool stories, man. Oh, right on, yeah. Man. Right I'm on. just envisioning. I want to see you dance like that too. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it right now. <laughs>